Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 81. Today we have a Nuffield Scholar, which I'll introduce in a wee second. I just want to say if you've listened to the podcast today and you're interested in all things food and farming, you should check out some of the other R2Casts we have released. Last week we had Emily Adicott-Savile, who I'm certainly unaware of any other people, but there is folk I know, but certainly unaware of any others, producing quinoa in the UK. So that was a really interesting talk with Emily. And then next week we have, for some of you, any horticulturists out there, an extremely famous guest in Charles Dowding, the father of no-dig farming, so or no-dig uh, gardening, I should say. Uh, about half a million followers across all the old social medias, so that's another interesting one, especially if you're looking to maybe kickstart a home garden. And on Monday there, we had Jane Craigie Marketing, a, a Scottish-based marketing company, um, just telling us the way that you would market a new company. So maybe if you're starting a business in the rural sector, that'll be a good one for you to check out. And funnily enough, one of the three ladies on that day is starting her Nuffield journey this year, Claire Taylor, who you may or may not know, uh, Michael. But I'm just going to introduce you to our guest today, who is Michael Blanche. Michael, would you like to say hello? Hello. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. I'm very much looking forward to this one because Michael is actually a, a bit of a podcast expert himself, which we will get into. Um, but I think, Michael, I think I'm right in saying you are the second most asked for guest on the podcast. What? Uh, really? Who's the first? Uh, C- Caleb Cooper. Uh, Caleb Cooper. Oh, really? <laughs> from, from Clarkson's oh. farm. <laughs> yeah, I said I wouldn't swear. Now I'm not going to swear. But... Uh... I don't um, believe it, but it's nice of you to see it. No, it's honestly 100% true. 100% true. <laughs> uh, there's You hear of a lot of people asking, oh, can you get these folk on? But I would say you'll be well into 20s and 30s of people asking. Yeah, so right. it's, uh, yeah, James Edwards being, being one of them that we spoke Gosh. about earlier. So no uh, pressure. Was that No pressure at all. No pressure at all. You're only just well, second sure. most wanted. Second most <laughs> <laughs> Um, right. I've mentioned this whole Nuffield scholarship idea, Michael. We'll get into that later. But let's get a bit of yeah. background on yourself. What's your sort of farming story? Well, I'm a quinoa farmer. Okay. Uh, yep. uh, no, that's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, so the farming story, how long have we got? Because uh, I would say, so I'm from a non-farming background. Um, my... Uh, Dad was uh, an accountant for the Aberdeenshire Council, amongst other things, and my mum was a nursery teacher. But, uh, yeah, so we, I suppose, oh, God, I don't want to bore people, but, right, let's start right at the beginning. (laughs) So I was born in Edinburgh, three years in Edinburgh, moved up to a small hamlet in Banffshire. Uh, And small hamlet was dominated by this big farm. So three years old, move up there, and I have reflected on this, and just to try and get as deep as you and James Edwards did, but 
we, we um, uh, so my mum wasn't very well with my with uh, my brother, having given birth to my brother, and it was a wee bit of a. It must have been a little bit, um, you know, lo- a lost little wee baby, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so. But I suddenly got became obsessed by farming because you know this big farm, and they would you know move sheep along the the road outside our house, and I'd get to. Uh, go in the combine with the, you know, the tractor driver lived next door, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so then I became obsessed. And then I bought, uh, you know, all these farm toys. I bought my first and probably last tractor and uh, <laughs> bought little, uh, little, um, you know, sheep and cows, and they never died. It was amazing. And oh, it's, it's already <laughs> a false start, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so then, and I've just dreamt of being a farmer then, you see. And obviously with that, in parallel, I was told that it was really, really uh, probably not worth my while because I didn't have a farm or any money or anything. So, and that was a constant message from a lot of people, including, I mean, bless them, my parents. So I kind of gave up on the idea uh, and, you know, did school and uh, did an English degree, but during my English degree, and it was English degree, at, you know, it wasn't a sort of uh, well-known university. It was just like a college higher education in Lancashire. Scumbag college, we used to call it. That's a reference to, uh, uh, what's it called? <laughs> the young ones. I anyway. feel you're putting yourself down here. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I totally... I totally got a two-two through York notes alone. I never read a book. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, but it was really good, and uh, it was absolutely fantastic experience. You know, rugby and you know, meeting girls and not that many girls, but uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and you know, lots of bitter and pork scratchings. It was great. So, uh, but during that time, I got a, a job from, uh, you know, a lambing job from Nat and Jenny Strachan up at Yonderton near Turriff. Jenny sadly just passed away before Christmas. It was just at her funeral. As, you know, Nat was long gone, but but they, that was just an amazing experience. I did four lambing seasons with them. And, uh, and it just sparked, sparked my interest again. And passion again, and I, I bought another lot of uh, toy, toy animals. I didn't buy any toy animals, but I, I just loved. It. I actually thought it was quite good at it as well. I mean, they were really nice because they said I was doing a good job, so it gave me a wee bit of confidence. And that's something you know. So, uh, yeah, very quickly, I I believed everyone saying that I couldn't be a farmer, so I try and move to. Being close to a farmer, so um, I did. I went to Harper Adams and I studied land agency effectively. Mm-hmm. So, um, how to wear tweeds, how to wash tweeds, uh, how to get over the itch of the tweed underpants. All the, all the, those were all tweed, modules. tweed underpants as well. Mo- really modules, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and then, then I. I became a land agent for five years. Not a very good one. Although I think I did a reasonable impression of a a semi-competent one, but it was absolutely an impression. 
And the the land agent firm that I joined was very big on compensation. So it, from from morning to evening, it was it wasn't non-stop negotiation, but it was all about the negotiation. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm such a softy, eh? I'm just <laughs> terrible. So 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 I had to try and be, you know. Uh, but it was it was a sort of a low key stress all the time because it was trying to be someone I wasn't. And, but I learned so much. I mean, my boss, well, I had two bosses, and they were both really quite. I mean, um, big influences and in what I was, you know, in just how I conducted myself, you know. Mm -hmm. Um. So, uh, yeah, that was they were big mentors of mine. Um, but I wasn't all, I wasn't all, yeah, I knew it wasn't what I really wanted to do. It was quite good money, you know. I was offered a partnership, but uh, I turned it down much to, uh, I think even Kate, my wife, wasn't all that pleased. <laughs> but, but my parents definitely, well, my actually my dad understood, because you have to put a lot of money into the partnership, eh? Mm -hmm. But and also the terms weren't um, weren't amazing. Anyway, so I turned. But that was a big fork in the road, you know, um, because uh, you know partnerships for life, you know, not uh, so. You know, it's like they're locking the key and they're throwing it away. <laughs> so I had to think of, and I actually had done my basis qualification, you know, the agronomy qualification. Yeah. I'd done it as a land agent which uh, I don't know how I passed. <laughs> I, I was really keen on it, but uh, I had no real proper experience. But anyway, I, it was, that was, yeah. I, so so anyway, I moved to SEC as a consultant and they thought they were getting this dynamic, you know, money creator, you know, land agent. And this was a new, this could be their new thing. They were very quickly disappointed. Because I was probably one of the lowest, earn, you know, the one of the lowest fee earners in the in the actual place. I mean, I, I did have a small area of fifers, which you know that's that's a double whammy, isn't it? So, <laughs> so, uh, so it was. Um, yeah, I, I I really loved it. It was like being in a sweetie shop, you know. Uh, you just could phone any expert. <laughs> And you'll get this once, but you know, it's just the thirst for knowledge was unquestionable. But I mean, there was there was a uh, you know an expert on weeds, on fungus, uh, you know, disease, loads of disease guys, and uh, the Basil Lohman, who was a I, I know he's marmite for some, but I absolutely adored him. He, he was the beef specialist at, at, at SEC was awesome, and then uh, you know. Uh, John Vipon, sheep, sheep specialist. There's so many good people there. So, um, yeah, just I loved it, and, I, and the clients. Some of the clients are were just. I mean, they were. Ironically, they taught me more than I taught them. You know, they. It was. It was really, and they and I got paid for it. So <laughs> it was. It was really quite. I mean, it was yeah, a bit jammy. I can't but, help but think you. Uh, always say you're worse than you actually are no 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 well um 
<laughs> I am I was bad for that, but I do. I think I give the I gave in return, you know. I'll, um, but I did learn a lot. Yeah, you giggling about the giving and taking. No, it wasn't actually. No, I've learned. Yeah, now you've said. Ah, uh... <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, you can cut that bit. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so, um, but they did teach me. You know, even you know the clients. I would say I learned as much from the clients as the specialists, and I learned a lot from the specialists. But, um, but then I don't know. I, I had a really good chat that came to be head of our office, but it's one of the nicest blokes, eh? But. Um, <laughs> I didn't quite see, yeah, it's tricky. I, I didn't quite see eye to eye to him in agricultural, in an agricultural sense. Okay, yeah. And uh, and he wanted me to go to other offices. So that was a little bit of, uh, I felt a little bit unnerved there because we'd sort of bought a house and we'd started, you know, we had a young family then. And uh, and then I went for a, I went for a couple of jobs at SEC. I went for the head of well, I went for the B specialist job, and that was probably the worst interview I've ever done. And uh, and I didn't get it. And uh, <laughs> surprisingly, and then I went for the head of the Forfer office. And you know when you go for a job and you're the only applicant, and you still don't get it. <laughs> I thought, nah, and uh, it coincided with uh, I got I basically got my arse kicked for not earning enough, and uh, and I thought, uh, I, I, I it just wasn't me. Anyway, by that time, oh shit, I'm, I'm, <gasps> there's another parallel story here. <laughs> so uh, we go back in time slightly, so. You know, this urge from when I was three years old to farm, it was always there, you know. And in 2003, I left SEC in 2005. 2003, uh, I remember very distinctly, you know, waking up and I couldn't get back to sleep. And it was sort of three o'clock in the morning and I sat on the stairs and I decided, you know, I'd just been down this amazing. It was kind of a life-changing trip. It wasn't, it was just a normal trip, but we went down to Wales to see uh, Yolo Owen and a couple of monitor farms. But it was uh, Ian Riddle who organised it. He joked and said, this will change, this trip will change your life. You know, he's joking, but it bloody did change my life. Because right. Yolo Owen invented the easy care, you know, and you had Wiltshire horns and stuff like that. And, uh, I was just really taken by inventing a sheep that suited your purpose, or and and I, and then of course you try and reinvent the wheel. You want to reinvent the wheel, then you want the perfect sheep. Which for everyone, anyone that's thinking of, I mean, that is a misnomer in itself, isn't it? I was just about <laughs> to say. I wonder how long it's going to take you to say that. <laughs> I think. You know, one of my favourite things, I haven't I haven't at all read your whole uh, your whole Nuffield scholarship, Michael. Well, that's a commitment. What, one part is, uh, what is the motivation to get sheep? Was it mental health or determination? I think it was you wrote. And oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
There's so much truth in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was actually in context because uh, it was in context because I'd worked out. Um, I mean, I've just finished that little story. I sat on the, the, those stairs, and it was like uh, it was like a revelation. It wasn't sort of sunbeams and uh, angels singing, but it was it was a decision, a decision to give it a go. And I tell you, the it's that is the biggest thing is to even just start is the biggest thing I think, and and so. I still and, and and I've spoken about that that moment before, and my voice has started to quaver because it's like I don't know why, but probably um, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, the decision to give it a go was huge because that that changes everything, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So we we started off, and I I told Kate that I would go down and buy a few Wiltshire horns and um, you know maybe ten, and I and. Uh, we well, we came well in the end. We had fifty, and I took a balance transfer from a credit card, which you could do then in those days. You could take five grand, put it on a credit card, and put it into your bank, and that would be it. You know, because <laughs> so so um, I bought sheep on basically a credit card, and I say that the you know the. The credit card company still phone every day, which is nice. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> it's always nice to have friends like that, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, so that um, so yeah, so we did. I mean, we didn't have. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that that's that's how we bought the sheep, and uh, we rented a uh, a couple of acres, uh, twelve acres maybe from uh, Chap along at Creef, and then that increased over time we got to 150 we were on seven different holdings and the paperwork was just a real I mean I'm not good in paperwork but but it was just a pain and it was lots of I mean if you're looking at production line and a system it had so many points of friction looking back and it was just anyway and then a really good uh, you know you have these people in life that help you and you can't really repay them uh, apart from gratitude uh, in your own mind. I never tell them, I never thank them enough, really. But uh, there's a chap called Craig Mitchell down in West Fife, and he's a, who was a client, actually. And he said, well, you could have some sheep on my, you know, I had three farms. So that was down in Salon near, um, uh, you know, Knock Hill Racing Circuit, that sort of place. and. Uh, and so, but it was 35 miles from home. So that's where I wondered whether it was, uh, you know, commitment, you know, passion, commitment, or mental illness, because I was five years there. And in that five years, I worked out that I had I'd traveled the same distance as over twice the circumference of the globe just to see my sheep. <laughs> and that's what makes you question whether you know and and I mean actually I don't think I've ever done the sheep have done as well as they did down there <laughs> uh, but um, yeah so that was 
five years where we grew to about 600 females. I mean, this is nothing compared to likes of James. Uh, uh, James. Uh, so James, James, is, James has gone in the head in some ways, though. I'm sure he would not mind me saying that, the amount he takes on without yeah. Yeah. Well, I've kind of come to terms with it, though. I've come to terms. Uh, we'll maybe come to that, but so six hundred and fifty females, and over this time, we're going for um, gosh, yeah, we've gone for six tenancies over that time. Uh, we'd not gone got on any shortlists. It was absolutely crazy. It's probably even crazier now, but. Um, yeah, there wasn't a lot coming up, and we'd gone for six. Some of them, I thank God we didn't get. <laughs> yeah, I, and then the seventh came up, and the seventh came, uh, it was near Selkirk. It was a council farm, but it was 450 acres, and it had great buildings, and it was like, oh, yeah, we're, this is going to be awesome. So I actually I went above and beyond what I thought I could afford, <clears throat> and we did make the shortlist. And... Um, but you had to go down for the interview and it was, um, well, it was, first of all, it was a long corridor and the kids loved WWE at the time. Same, loved <laughs> Yeah, I just, this was me. I, I, in my head, I was like John Cena. Do, 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 coming down the, you know, this huge corridor and then <laughs> the door and there's like, <laughs> there's about 10 people. Anyway, so I sat down and ugh, it went okay. I thought it went okay. And then then you wait for the phone call, you know? Mm. And, you know, first of all, it doesn't ring, it doesn't ring. And then it rings. And you answer. You came second. Oh, I, oh, I felt sick. <laughs> it's, it's worse than tense. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I exactly, because when you yeah. don't make the shortlist, it's fine, eh? But um, so, but that I think um, that was a blessing. I mean, this. I mean, it's so a wee bit uh, corny, but bad things happen and good things come of it, you know. And uh, I that was my seventh year of farming. That was my seventh goal. I thought number seven was meant to be lucky, but. Uh, but, but I was absolutely gutted. I was I was so gutted. I felt I'd never do it. I, I, you know, it's okay to have seasonal lets, but it's not a long-term answer if it's miles away from home. You have very little control of the land. I mean, I, I didn't want... I just couldn't see me do, doing it forever. So, um, so I decided, well... You have to do something, either give up or do something a bit more radical. So I went for the Snuffield Scholarship, and that was back in 2010. And I'd been for, I'd done, I'd tried it before when I was at SEC and didn't even get an interview. And I obviously had a chip on my shoulder back then about it, but I, I tried again. And, um, but this time, interestingly, I had a kind of a story. So, um, you know, I tried, I'd proved that I tried and the frustration, you know, probably had something, you know, um, could be, that could be changed into being persuasive to get a Nuffield scholarship. And I think that helped. Uh, 
So, um, yeah, we got it must have had lower standards that that year. So, but I did get it, and uh, and uh, then, yeah, are you bored yet, Willis? I'm absolutely loving it. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, I won't go into huge amounts of detail with the knuckle, but I did go to Australia and New Zealand, which are almost compulsory. But um, oh, it's just some, and you know, someone actually told me that you know a lot of Nuffield studies are actually technical, you know. Mm-hmm. Mine was actually unbeknown to me at the start. Was almost fully about the human element. I, I got reading it, Michael. And I'm sure you won't take offence to this that it was not technical, <laughs> 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 which I which I absolutely loved. I must say. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, and um, it is personality driven, isn't it? But uh, I, I think. So much I took from Nuffield, you know, uh, good and bad. But um, the good was sitting in a room in America with, I don't know, 50, 60 Nuffield scholars. Some of these guys were, I think one chap, what was he doing? Was he finishing like 200,000 cattle a year or something ridiculous in Queensland? And, you know, there were people with, you know, twice, three times the number of cows as I had sheep, mm. you know, dairy cows. And you're there, you're like, you're sitting in this room and you've got this, you know, what's the word when you're like... Um, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, yeah. yeah. So you, and you, and you think, oh God, this is, and I have to, you have to stand <laughs> up and explain what you're doing. So, so I stood up and I made a couple of jokes and I thought, oh, this is actually, I got away with that. So, it, <laughs> and it was a slow realisation. I think it'd been a slow realisation for a while. I did uh, rural leadership, you know, the Scottish rural leadership program. That was another, you know, development process. Um, and, uh, and Nuffield came after and I think... Um, I think it was, uh, looking back, it's, I mean, when I was your age, Wallace, I don't, I don't know if I, I just, I, I, I couldn't do anything like this. You know, I was just, I wasn't a nervous wreck, but I, I, I didn't have the confidence at all to do anything. So, um, but but you're in this room, you've, you've got away with, get, you know, just joking about something and then, and then you realise that actually these guys are really good at one thing, but you're actually quite good at other things, yes. you know? And it was a revelation because I always benchmarked myself against other people on their terms. You know what I mean? That's, so, a, that's a really good way of putting it, actually. Yeah, yeah you're so... You're focusing so, on the wrong metrics, yeah. Yeah, so they, so they had 1,500 dairy cows. They were, you know, a really one of my favourite guys in the year was Reese Williams, who, is, who had at the time 1500 cows he came for he was a first generation farmer he was and he's now bought his farm he's like he's just first generation guy on steroids you know he's so successful it's just but i used to benchmark myself against that but now i don't i just 
you know, I'm not Reese Williams. And that was actually quite a revelation to think, well, I'm not that chap. And that, and actually to try and be that chap is is not um it's probably not what you want to do. Just be yourself. So that was a real that was a real um big thing. Anyway, blah blah blah. So we there's loads of things about the nothing. We could come back to it, but a a I came back from that and I was uh, we went to France as well, went to Cambodia and India, and then a few of us went to France and we met this guy, John Bailey, who was an Irishman, spent most of his life in France. Uh, but he was he was a guru of rotational grazing and paddock grazing. And we went and I'd you know I'd come across it in Australia and New Zealand, and wow, but John was just immense. So the the France trip was five days, but it was it was awesome. And so I came back and I thought, this is it. This is how I'm going to make money. This is how I'm going to build, uh, you know, become. Because I suppose as a first generation farmer, you want to be a proper farmer. <laughs> so, yes. And how, but what does that mean? Which is another thing. But I knew it had to be more than I was. So um came back and I was absolutely enthralled by the rotational grazing thing. This to me was like a totally different room in agriculture that I'd never been mm -hmm. to. And uh, this also had the, because if you're a first generation farmer, you, if you, if you do what everyone else does, if you're, if you have, if you want to buy tractors and sheds and lots of feed and all that sort of stuff, which is totally understandable for an established business, you do the job right, you know. If you're a first-generation farmer without any money, you can't do that. I mean, that's a very quick way to failure. So you've got to think of another way. And feeding your stock on something that grows out the ground, whether you like it or not, you know, at no extra cost, you're paying the rent anyway. I mean, that was just, you know, if you could, you know, if you could grow 30, 50% more, you know, I, I, my theory was that I wouldn't have to use any fertilizer if I just put subdivide uh, subdivision in, uh, because you grow more grass anyway because you let it rest. So, I mean, it's a it was a no brainer for a livestock farmer that didn't have any cash. So, um, so that I came back really passionate about that. Um, I, yeah. I suppose the other thing was I'd learned certain things and I'd I'd um I, I'd put it all there's a the eighth farm came up. So uh so applied for that just after my Nuffield and uh, it was a five hundred acre farm in Perthshire. And we got to the shortlist and I went for the interview and you know, as usual, the phone rings. <clears throat> Got it. So, <laughs> so that was a nice thing. So we 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 came here called Chucker, and there's another farm, another home. So it's 500 acres. Half of it is a uh, green hill. It's not it's not the best, but um, it was. I'd always dreamed about waking up in the morning, walking out the door, and seeing sh my sheep, and that was the yeah. first. You know, that was that was it. So eight years. <clears throat> Eight tries, 
And eight is my new lucky number. What is the third good eight thing? Oh, it has to be three. <laughs> you know the answer. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. Eight, eight too much over Christmas? Yeah. I don't know what Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Anyway, so that's a long answer to your first question. Well, it's, it's a... I mean, yeah, that in itself is a podcast. <laughs> and and throughout, you kept saying, um, we can talk about the Nuffield Scholarship if you want to. You know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, so New Zealand, Australia, France, Cambodia, and the States. Is that right? States, India as well. India. Where, sorry, India. Yep. India, yeah. Yeah, I did see that as well. Uh, so two of them stand out, um, India and Cambodia. Oh, yeah. uh, what I don't know. I've always I've always been a bit of a geography addict and learning about places and capital yeah. cities and flags and all that. So the, the really obscure ones are always interesting to me. Like you said, New Zealand and Australia are almost it's what happens. We've heard a lot of stories about the countries. They're both phenomenal at what they do. <clears throat> um, the states you could argue is in a lot of ways, but also is the opposite in a lot of ways as well. Um, but Cambodia and India really do interest me, and I will get to other ones at some point. But what what was farming like in those countries? Well, um, Cambodia was first. So we went to Cambodia and I thought, you know, we're encouraged to go somewhere different, you know. And I had a very good friend on the Nuffield year called Tony Davis from Wales. And I was telling him that I wanted to go. Someone in Australia suggested I go to Cambodia because... And it was a very flippant, it was a very flippant thought because I had not thought it through. But I think the percentage of population in Cambodia pre-Pol Pot, I mean, your listenership will be young and won't have, I, I actually can remember the news reports from, from Cambodia um, uh, about the famine after Pol Pot's uh, revolution that he left the country. Um, and and so I knew that, like, I think a population of, I could be wrong here, 5 million, uh, 2 million either died or fled the country. Mm-hmm. So either from famine or actually, I mean, they were absolute horrendous. I mean, they would kill anyone with glasses, you know, uh, anyone of intellectual, uh, you know, intellectual background or, you know, uh, you know, any, if you're a lecturer, you, you'd be, you, you know, you're, you're in danger, you know. No, but it's, 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 it is, that's kind of why I wanted to know about Cambodia. Cause I mean, it's, it's you said 3 million out of the five left. That's, that's right in my head. Cause it was 60% I had in my head. So that, that, right. that worked out. Um, because he, his his real name was something like Samit Saul. I can't remember exactly, but Paul Pot was basically a shortened down f- French name for political potential when he went there out and studied. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that was purely based on the fact that he thought the only way to run a country was communist, very marchy and red and all that sort of thing. And uh, when he came back, he sort of employed this system that, in theory, I think we all agree makes sense, but it just can't happen. And then what that led to was this 
well, one of the biggest atrocities we've ever seen. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've always been interested in Cambodia. So, um, sorry, I, I kind of took you off. Well, no, no, no. But I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates the UK over and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification. Um, uh, I, I think I should be asking you the questions because you know so much more about it. But oh, I'll, I'll tell you what I took from it is that, like, so to- I told Tony, so the percentage of population that are based, agricult- were agriculturally based before the revolution was really high, like late 70s, early 80%, I think. Right. Uh, and... So it was very subsistence agriculture sort of thing. Um, and and I thought, well, there would be new entrants because there weren't, you know, there was a, a lot of people that either left or were died or, you know, did, did the agricultural industry re, you know, come from the ashes and, build or whatever so i was i was interested in that and of course i was doing first generation farming so i want i needed to know you know i just wanted to get an idea of what happened so but tony's cousin lives in cambodia like really random but he was immense he showed us round and we went to penong peng and um uh, then we went up to a village on the border with Thailand. I, was, I mean, you know, w- with all the atrocity and all, you know, all the people will have had fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, mothers, sisters, brothers, whatever, they'd have died. But they were the friendliest people. They, You know, you'd wave in the... Uh, tuk-tuks and they'd smile and wave back and they were just it was just a I don't know it's just like a sort of really um energizing culture you know people were just I just love the people mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> anyway so we go we Phnom uh, Penh was crazy <laughs> and then we go to this quiet village where uh, Tony's cousin lived, and uh, he and we go up this. Um, he introduces us to a few people. One of whom was called Noi, and uh, they take us up this river uh, to a sort of farm. And uh, Noi then tells a story that you know he's a first generation farmer. And I thought I never I, I'd given up meeting anyone you know first generation there. And he tells a story about, um, you know, his, I think, I can't remember what his dad did, but I think he was in politics. And he was born on the road as they were fleeing to Thailand. Oh, really? He, he actually never has a birthday because he doesn't know the date he was born. Right. And <laughs> so, so um, he was like a proper cool dude as well, you know. But... Uh, he spent the first 12 years of his life in a, um, in a camp over the Thai border. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't 
I mean, it was safe from the Cam the Cambodian regime, but the Thai guards weren't the best. You know, if if a woman got separated from the group, they get raped, and you know yeah. all horrible things they had to endure. But uh, and so then, so you know, this was Cambodia was quite late on in my study, and. Uh, I had thought so much about it and first generation farmer, why even want to farm and why is farming such a pool to people? And uh, and so I asked him why why did he want to farm? You know, he's got this sort of bit of land and he, you know, he's doing sort of really innovative stuff. And he answered with one word, and it was freedom. Okay. And, and it really, it hit me like a bloody train. I thought, you know, I, 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 someone had such a different life, so such a, a challenging life compared to mine, you know, uh, white male privilege and all that. And But I thought, and it's absolutely not the same, but it is the same as well. I think, you know, I was, I was working... I was working for a company and then I worked for another company and then I was I was told I wasn't good enough and I was told this and I didn't fit there and I didn't fit uh, in that particular thing because you know either I didn't like it or they weren't you know all these all these things you were told and then you farm and it's yours and you're in charge and you can do what you want you know you can go in a direct directions that you want to go and um and you're you're judged in your results obviously but it was there was something that I just had a connection with about freedom. It's it's the freedom from it's the freedom almost to be yourself, but he, his freedom was so much more, you know. So that was really good, and then we went to India, and then India was like, I mean, I wasn't prepared for how much we'd get looked down on. Like, oh really? India, yeah. <laughs> The Indian agricultural scene is either subsistence or mega, mega impressive farming units. And uh, we went to the Punjab, which I, I think it might be one of the most fertile areas in the globe. I think I mean, it's top can, 10, yeah, as, yeah. Yeah, they can grow three crops of maize at horrendous like serious um uh, yields you know yeah i think they're absolutely raping it <laughs> but well, they, they will be but also the, i think it's interesting we look at the sort of the sustainability of that they've they're soon to be the highest populous country in the world i think they're sitting yeah. at 1.1 billion or something at the minute like environment takes a bit of second place and understandably so you know so yeah. it makes sense yeah yeah, well, I mean, we did it, so yeah, exactly. We got the right to do as well. Yeah. But um, and then we went to another place, and I can't remember where this was. It's terrible, but a proper businessman, like he had vertical, like he, um, it's like they were getting all their dairy. There was a lot of dairies we went to see, and they were getting all their dairy intellectual property from California. Yes, so contained uh they brought the feed to the the cattle uh the cows 
Uh, I mean, labor was so, I mean, they, there's so many people working there because it's so cheap. And anyway, he had a feed plant uh, all on 12 acres. He had a feed plant, a dairy, um, and he retailed it um, as well. So it was like, and it was all on 12 acres. And it was such a big business. I was um, it was unbelievable. So I mean, and and so I for the and I, yeah, I just felt. Hang on, we're not we're not global leaders in some respects here because we're not respected. To you know, I didn't feel respected as a. Uh, I mean, there's probably other things going on there, but. Um, it was a, always a frustration, and I came back frustrated at the uh, UK industry, agricultural industry, because I want it to be the best in the world, and I, and and in some respects maybe we are close, but other respects, um, I was frustrated by it. But how did they compare welfare-wise? Well, because there's so many, that's a good question. Well, it's because. I mean, because there's so much cheap labor, I I got the impression that the cows were quite happy. I mean, there's always someone brushing up. <laughs> you know, it's it, it, there was people everywhere. I just I I thought that they were actually pretty darn good at farming. That's the the interesting thing there, though, is that's strictly based on animal welfare, not human welfare. <laughs> Good point. Not about the humans. <laughs> but they, but yeah, maybe the maybe the cows are in a better spot, eh? But yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, it, they, I mean, I, in India, so maybe they're they're uh, more important than humans. So. I like I like um, smiling at people and saying hello and stuff, and they were all really happy. Yeah. But but some of the some of the people at the top were just savage business people, eh? I oh, mean, I can imagine. I can imagine that. Yeah. yeah. The disparity of wealth in India is phenomenal. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a big thing you get from India is the, is the disparity. And, it, and the people working in the dairy were far better off than a lot of people we saw. Yeah. And I assume Cambodia was the same. I assume Phnom Penh is extremely rich and extremely... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, not not the extreme... Or I didn't see it. I didn't see the extreme poverty that I saw in India. Okay. But I saw the extreme wealth. And, you know, there's, like, um, really top-of-the-range top Mercedes and, uh, you know, there was wealth there. And and there was poverty, but I, I I don't know how to describe it. But you know, this poverty. Uh, I, yeah, I don't want to be. There's there's, they were still smiling. I don't know why. I don't know why that is important. But they they didn't seem to be as materialistic as. As a lot of people that have, as a lot of cultures that have come across, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, anyway, I, I, it's 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 true, though, isn't it? I mean, like the more how you put this, the more 
the more perfection you experience, the less easy it is to find perfection. So like if you're if you're constantly not experiencing a positive condition, you find the positives in that. Now that's yeah. not in any way justifying the condition, but it's it's what what happens. You know, yeah. it is what happens. It's why we see the world's poorest people be the most inviting and the most uh, accepting of you and the kindest for the most part. <laughs> because yeah. you know, which yeah, is really yeah. sad really sad to focus on but um what what did you focus on in the states uh, as part of the, the, the scholarship uh, mainly boozing okay yeah important <laughs> yeah uh, it was the, the states was um the states was really the what they call the contemporary scholars conference which is csc so you meet up with all the people uh, from around the world, there's Australians, the New Zealanders, um, the, there was Americans, and I had a French guy who was a great lad. Uh, but it was really intense, like seriously intense to a point. Uh, I think, um, yeah, I'd never really... The thing that you've got to be careful with the Nuffield is uh, they big you up. I mean, it's really great. Yeah. But they say, oh, yeah, you know, you're really special and all that sort of stuff. And of course you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and there's a lot of sort of well yeah we're gonna do this and all that sort of stuff and um so you really get caught up in the moment and that that was a I think it was a week was it a week or ten days but um it was so intense I've never really done and and of course it was during the day we'd go on farm visits we'd go to conferences and we'd have to do things ourselves you know in terms of presentations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you're asked a lot of, and then at night you go out and drink and have a great time. And, you know, uh, it was just, um, and you, you know, you know, I made, I, I just had such a good time really, but um, yeah, I, I think it goes, I did become, come back a bit of an arsehole because okay. And I know other people that have said that as well, is that um, you kind of go into a little bit of a bubble and you become obsessed by, um, a, you know, your study and what you, and Nuffield and all that sort of stuff. And I think, um, I mean, it's a great institution, but I think you just handle with care. <laughs> you, so, um, you, you strike me as an arsehole. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, never, I never lost it. <laughs> I can imagine that is the case. I mean, a totally different thing. But even when I did my master's, you know, I would like to think I didn't leave my master's at that. But you're so focused and intrinsically linked with this thing for, for yeah. however long. And, and especially with Nuffield, where it slightly differs, is you've got this team of people that are doing a different thing but the same thing and you've sort of got that almost like group mentality pushing forward towards that goal and all yeah. that so I do get that I do get that um, yeah. it's interesting because it, yeah I, I suppose on, on that trip there was a really good day where we went to see like a two and a half thousand cow dairy that um, was kind of meant to be one of the top of the range in Pennsylvania and uh, it was it was really it was really impress- impressive, and the chap the chap said something brilliant. He said, uh, "If you're the lowest cost producer, 
your business is going to grow whether you like it or not. And that really hit home for me. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that was awesome for my study. But um, but uh, that was before lunch. And then after lunch, we went to see uh, um, an Amish community and a chap called Sam Real. And he had, I think he had six cows and they all, all were hand milked. Right. And he stood up and he talked about how he loved farming and he started to cry. Okay. Because he loved farming so much. And I thought if there was ever a contrast of this hard-headed businessman who was so into efficiency and grew and he'd grown a business, you know. And Sam, who was all heart. Yeah. And you know, and head and heart, if there ever was a contrast there, it was that day, you know. And it did make me think. And that's why I think my <laughs> my study was so my study was very hard. It was more Sam than the guy that was uh, really into his efficiency. But but you're you're. I've just realised for those of you listening, if you don't know who Michael is, and we're wondering this uh, this uh, scholarship is, look up the farming ladder. The whole the whole feel as you read it is so enjoyable to read, because like I was always told. I was never going to be able to do like high level degree because I had a journalistic form of writing. Now I did do a master's, but I still have that because it's nice. Yes. Like it's nice to read, like you throw in jokes just about every two seconds, like, you know, a photo in Cambodia of four women working and one man doing nothing, a concept I want to bring to the UK. Like, you know, that, that's funny. Like, this I would, do you think I could get away with that these days, though? I don't think there's an issue with that. <laughs> I don't think there's an issue with that at all, because if, if, mm. if it was said the other way around, I wouldn't see an issue with it either. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm going to get in trouble for that. But <laughs> I think, I think it, it really... As I said, I haven't at all read your 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 full scholarship. I think it's sixty eight pages. Um, but yeah, meant to be uh, twenty, Willis. Oh, but here I've glanced through it and I've I fair enjoyed the, reading the parts. But to, that's actually maybe a point. You've sort of written the scholarship on the basis of the the troubles you've went through and gaining a tenancy, gaining land, yeah. yeah. And uh, what was the inspiration for that? For what I understand, that the name was from a book called. The Farming Ladder by yes. George Henderson. Henderson, yep. Yeah. Uh, but what you're in this position, you know, you're in this position where you can't get a tenancy, let's let's or or whatever that is. Um, most people's goal is I'm just gonna push, 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 push. Your goal was to try and change it for everyone. Or that's certainly the way I see it. Or maybe that wasn't the goal at all. Uh, what, yeah, well, what, well, actually, no, that is probably true to start with. But I was actually given um, my, someone who I won't remember, I I met him once, but he said, he was an uphill scholar, he said, be selfish. I was all for, we're going to change the system and all that sort of stuff. And and it was one of the best pieces of advice, you know, absolutely changed my, my concept of it. And if it's, if you're selfish about it, you'll look for the real problems that you've had and try and address those. And actually it's more real rather than trying to, and that is real. I mean, I, I, it was embarrassing. Eh? The first, my first trip was to Australia. My first visit was to uh, uh, a chap at Dubbo, I think. He was really 
he was like mega progressive and he was a real interesting chap. And he talked about, he asked me a question around dinner. He says, so what's um, first generation farming in the UK? What about it? And I listed off all the excuses. Like, right. uh, you know, the system's crap. The, there's nothing there. There's blah, 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 blah. And he just, he looked at me as if I was a pathetic loser. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not, I, I, I hate to say I'm with him. That's not what I mean. But like, it's a mentality we've grown used to. Yes. Country, we're used to having things. And when it doesn't work, we blame everything else apart from us. Absolutely. So that's not me having to go at you at all. No, I am. No, I know. I, I, I but I, I, I had to realise it. You know, he, uh -huh. it was a gift that he gave me because he was very sneering about it. And he came up with a thing. I mean, it's very, a little bit corny, but he his sort of catchphrase was, what's to be is within me. You know what I mean? So, so I... I always thought it was like the Scottish government's problem. You know, it was 90% about the system and 10% about me. Actually, it's the other way around. It's 90% about, about me and 10% about the system. It, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be easy. It's something really hard. And actually, that in turn is a gift because if you do something in farming as a first-generation guy, you're... It's something to be really proud of. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, 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 um, yeah, that's it's it definitely changed the whole thing. And we had another thing in America that we went around the Gettysburg battlefield. Yeah. There's this old marine that used to that would take that took us round. And uh, I'm not sure if you've seen. Um, What's a Clint Eastwood film? Oh, shit. I keep on forgetting what it is. I know of one Clint Eastwood film, so I don't know if it's going to be a hell. He's in the marine. I'm going to rip your head off and shit down your neck. No. Pretty sure it's not that. No. <laughs> I think it's one where his friends were an orangutan. Oh, right. Okay. Anyway, Any which way. way but loose. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, the Marines have this phrase adapt, innovate, and overcome. Mm -hmm. And he kept on saying it, and he, he's great storyteller. He told the story about Gettysburg and all that sort of stuff, which is really interesting. And um, and that connected again with Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, which absolutely inspired me. But uh, that's another story. But um, but adapt, innovate, overcome. Absolutely. I mean, I've said it so much, it's got a wee bit maybe lost a little bit of meaning but when you really think about it that is that should be what new entrants think about all the time you know because it's, you're never going to get a free run you have to adapt and you have to innovate because doing things conventionally is no a no-go <laughs> unless you've got loads of money and yeah. uh, uh, and and that's how you get there so it's a great thought process for just about anything really I mean, yeah. you could have just went and listened to Bear Grylls. I'm pretty sure he says that all the time. Oh, yeah, he does, he does. <laughs> but I also don't want to find a way forward in life where I have to drink my own urine all the time. So, you know, yeah. there's, there's different ways to look at this. I loved his... Uh, uh, did you see him with Louis Theroux? Yeah. I've never really watched Bear Grylls. <laughs> right, well, Bear, Bear has, doesn't call his 
you know, this the thing that wakes you up in the morning. He doesn't call it an alarm clock. Okay. He calls it an opportunity clock. Okay. I think when folk get to this stage, it's just taking the mic. But I see yeah. I can do wrong. <laughs> I've, I've, to, I've told you off camera how much I need to wake up after yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> anyway no, I love it though I tell my daughter that the 17 year old daughter and she just shakes her head at me you know the <laughs> shut up dad you said <laughs> um, yeah so New Zealand, Australia Cambodia, India uh, states of France. That's where it ended, wasn't it? France, and and that's oui. where you learned about um, oui. uh, that's where you learned about rotational grazing and whatnot. But it's quite cute, cool. you know. I think one of the things I really enjoyed listening to the sort of um, the uh, the Nuffield story, if you will, Michael, is the fact that there's so many points you can remember. Like this made this was a point in my life where a change happened, or where a thought process occurred. Like the standouts are the the guy with the easy cares oh, I can actually make this change. Maybe I can create a new breed of sheep. Or was it Noi in Cambodia yeah, saying yeah, freedom? Yeah. Or was it adapt, innovate, overcome? Was it all these sort of things? And and I think maybe without realising, uh, I think we all have sort of moments in life where you're like, oh, or, or everything I've just done is incorrect. Why am I thinking that way? Or whatever. And it's quite cool that you've sort of been aware of of those sort of conscious decisions that have been made and why they've been made. Um, but I, mean, I could let, what was that? No, 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 you go, go, go. I, I was going to say, I, I could sit here and talk about the Nuffield Scholarship for, for some time because I, it's interesting to me, it's something I've been aware of even from when I wasn't really into farming or interested in farming. It always mum would have mentioned if someone was a Nuffield Scholar or whatever and that, that seemed really big in my head and, and I think it is, you know, I don't think it is a big thing. And I think you're pretty bad for putting yourself down, even though you were a cocky arsehole when you finished it, as you said. Um, so, you know, the, the story that you've went through and the things you'll have learned is huge. But is, is there a part of Nuffield Scholarship that means that you've got to give back what you've learned? Do you... Do you talk about your scholarship? Do you, you know, do you do that sort of thing? Yeah, I did, I did quite a lot. I did quite a lot um, so when I came back, you know, when I was an arsehole. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I did quite a lot of talks, but it only has a certain lifespan, I feel, because, I mean, look, I'm 53 now. I'm not really, I'm not the face of new entrant farming, you know. <laughs> uh, so, so, but I am speaking to new entrants in, will later this month and of course you know when someone asks me to do it I will, I will definitely do it and um, uh, yeah I'm, I'm really it's something very close to my heart and I get very passionate about it and I've got someone coming uh, day after tomorrow for lunch is a new entry I get you know people come I mean that's not an open invitation but oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so I mean they're very underwhelmed when they come, but I I do feel that they're, um, yeah, I'm definitely it's definitely close to my heart, and I do try and um, uh, I still try and promote a little bit of the 
the the study, you know, the report. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's a you mentioned you got a a, a two two in English without reading the book. Yeah. Yes. Now I am a lecturer. I am education, whatever. Not at all. I'm going to back you up and I'm going to say that I know the students listen to this and, and, it, and it, it, it's everyone is a different way of study. It's a different way of studying. Books were not mine. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah. I just couldn't read them I, for the reason I mentioned earlier. You know, the, yeah. the officially written format just does not go into yeah. this head. It doesn't think that way, you know, and, and that's why I would actually direct people to yours because it is easy reading like it, it doesn't feel like a study it feels like it's it feels like it's a scientific journal written by a journalist and that's like the the best combination it's where i always fail from an academic perspective but it's it's, it's very nice for for yeah. a reader to read, but you to read. Know, i mean you do it i mean i think audio for i think audio and youtube obviously you see and you know fine well how powerful that communication <laughs> medium is and I think that, you know, I think writing is is kind of uh, last decade, isn't it? <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's a phenomenal skill to have writing still oh, engaging. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very difficult. I mean, Claire Taylor, we mentioned earlier, she is one that has that gift. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not something everyone can do. And like you say, yeah, video, uh, audiobooks whatever i mean i was told last week i have a face for spotify which was kind but the but what i also did you know over covid i i, I took i basically left my house in dumfries went home to farm and iron and filmed a bunch of videos for students because they couldn't do stuff yeah and the, awesome. the amount of things they gained from that and I'm going to do what you do here and put myself down. I was in my first few year, first year of, uh, teaching and they weren't that good and the video editing quality was below zero, but it, it was still useful. And there's so many different ways and, and I think we have to promote that. Yeah. That it doesn't have to be this perfectly written article. Some yeah. things do, but um, that was what I really liked about yours. Um, mm. Yeah, you enjoyed it. Well, yeah, I'm getting... Um getting flashbacks because I'm kind of doing I'm trying to do an audio it's like an audio Nuffield you know um, I've got some funding because I do the pasture pod occasionally and I've got some funding to do a time podcast on time and farming okay and it being either uh, but it's it's become all engrossing you know um just looking at systems and uh, doing things right or doing the right thing, that kind of thing. And, you know, so it's, it, I, I feel like I'm on another Nuffield now and we'll, well, we'll see what happens. That's but, interesting. Yeah. Can you do two Nuffield scholarships? No, you can't. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think, yeah, no. I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Um, Do you know, I'm, I'm sort of going to take you back a minute there, uh, uh, Michael. You said 
you don't think you're the face of new entrant farming, which I think is quite interesting because you said you're 53 and you mm. have been a new entrant farmer since you started farming. Yeah. So surely that's the exact face of new entrant farming as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, look, I'm not, it's not, uh, maybe it's poster boy. I, I mean, I would, the thing is you need to refresh. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if I've spoken to, I've spoke quite a different lot, you know, to quite a different, and I was spoke at, spoke at the NFU, uh, spoke at um, a lot of conferences about uh, first generation farming. I spoke at um, a, a new entrance conference. So, I mean, I think a lot of the new entrants might have seen me talk. Um, uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I just assumed that I don't want to, you know, once you've told your story once, that's fine, you know. So I, I wouldn't say... There's other people that have done really good stuff and, and you know, a, a lot of people that have done more. Yeah. Um, see, I was just about to put myself down there, Wells. Now you've got me paranoid. But there's like, always, really, there's, there's really good stuff. There's always going to be someone that's done more or done better. Yes, absolutely. So so they, they are, can be inspirational as well. It's good to, you know... I just I, I'm 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 not a new entrant anymore. I'm a first generation farmer, which I'll always be. Okay. But um, but a uh, yeah, I just uh, I, I would absolutely drop everything to talk about it to anyone because I I feel it's important. There was a I went to Carbon Calling, you know, the conference in Penrith. I've heard of it, but know nothing about it. Yeah. Yeah. Have a guess what it's about. But, yeah, I've yeah. got everyone up chanting "Pasture pumps me up." Like there were like there was two hundred people going "Pasture pumps me up, Pasture pumps me up." You know. <laughs> anyway, uh, but there was a lady at the end that asked a question about. Uh, it was actually just a panel, not talking about first generation farming, but saying she's got a, a niece that's trying so hard to get into farming, and uh, um, what can we do to? Um, to help her get on the thing. And I, 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 I was so passionate that the first place she has to go is herself. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Yes. And yeah. it all came flooding back about, and it does get a wee bit American self-help stuff. You know, it's like, you know, it's, um, I, I, I took, um, a, I took a great phrase from who's the really tall guy, American self-help guy? He speaks like this. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it'll come to me. But uh, he said, why people, why people um, fail isn't because of a lack of money, a lack of time, a lack of opportunity, because that's what they blame. It's not about that. It's not about a lack of resources. It's about a lack of resourcefulness. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I loved that. I loved it. Because I went to the Outback uh, to see, like, uh, this lady, Chris Ferguson, who was a Nuffield scholar, but she took me around for a week meeting lots of different farmers in the Outback. And they had just, they were into the ninth, tenth year of drought. 
Oh, really? Wow. Everything. I mean, she had no stock left. She she would just catch goats using water uh, water traps. You know, they'd come to the water. She'd close the gate. You know, it's mm-hmm. fenced off. She, I think 20,000 goats she'd do a, a year, you know. Anyway, we'd go around, and all these people had s- faced such adversity. They had no resources. <laughs> like, yeah. the resource was failing them. And it was the resourcefulness that it was really clear in that setting that that's, that's what made it. I like that. I yeah. like that a lot, actually. Yeah. So, Fail not because of... Tony of Robbins. Who? Tony Robbins. Is Tony Robbins. Guy. I will look this person up. <laughs> um, Michael, I'm conscious of time because... But yeah, you've got a concert yeah. practice to go to. Yes. Um, but, and hopefully when this is released a uh, concert will have went well and uh, Laura Nistel will have had a fantastic concert what are um, you playing so a few places a few things I've probably got five or six roles if you will um so it's like sketch based as opposed to character based um all yeah. right yeah it's good fun really good fun actually you should come down uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but there's you mentioned uh, the, the sort of the podcast, the, the Pasture Pod, um, which is a podcast you've done since 2017, did you say? Yeah, but I mean, you know, some you're so good at putting them out, but I, I've done about four a year. I think I'm on episode uh, nine, uh, to 22. That's still a fair chunk. <laughs> <laughs> they are three hours long, you know, so yeah, I make it up in duration. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I mean, I sometimes think about doing like a three-hour podcast because, like, there's some people. I'm pretty sure you're one of them, actually. That I could just sit here and talk for three or four hours, but yeah. I'm like, are folk going to listen to this for four hours? Yeah, like, I know what you mean. Um, I listen to Joe Rogan, and his will often hit three and a half, four hours. And I've yeah. maybe watched the Elon Musk one, the Yeon Me Park one. By the way, if we're talking about um, poverty, she she escaped. North Korea um, and she the, the, the thing that really resonated with me from that podcast was she witnessed her own mother being raped and it didn't bother her it was just normal that was fine yeah that's how bad it was and she she, um, she got out of North Korea and she's now like an, an she's like a, a anti-North Korea an anti-regime it's called anti-regime activist yeah. in the States and it's there's not many podcasts I've listened to and just been like, listen, and, and nothing else yeah, can yeah, yeah. take my mind off it. Because, oh my God, we don't realise how lucky we are. <laughs> you was saw that, some of them. Was she on Joe Rogan? Or yeah, she... Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah. Eon Me Park. So Y-E-O-N-M-I Park. Um, yeah. Phenomenal. But but for the most part, I don't think everyone's going to listen to, you know, three hours every single week or, or six times a month. I'm releasing it at, at the minute. But here, maybe it'll, maybe it'll start. Um, but there's... Thank you for coming on, first off. Hugely appreciate it. It's been you know, a pleasure, Willis. Well, it has been for, for my side, apart from the times when you were a bit of an arsehole. But, uh, <laughs> there's, yeah, I'm going to get back to being an arsehole. So. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. There's, uh, there's two questions I finish every podcast with, and one of them uh, is, where do you see yourself in five years? And the second one, I don't think we've had anyone better to answer this question. Um, in the 81 podcasts we've done, uh, what are your tips for folk getting into farming? Now, 
I'm also going to extend that a wee bit because I'm being a bit selfish here, as I told you off camera. What would your tips be for getting into the Nuffield Scholarship as well? So it's technically three questions for you. Okay. <clears throat> what was the first one again? What was that? Five years. What do you see yourself doing in five years? Five years. Um, that's a really good question because I have we've got 12 years left of farming. I think we may have 12 years left in this farm. Nothing signed and sealed, but I'm hoping that. Um, and we are we are in danger of having to live in a box at the side of a motorway because I've basically managed to mortgage every <laughs> our future for for and that's you know that is a less that's answer maybe one of the answers to question three but uh, we've I've put all my eggs in this basket and I need to have a retirement plan so I've got to get my finger out in twelve years time to get a chunk of money. So my incredibly patient wife can actually have a decent retirement, plus maybe we travel a bit and stuff like that. So I think uh, we'd have an incredibly simple system here, which takes very little time because that is the that is the unseen dimension to all this is time. If you are in a relatively profitable farm system, but it takes up all your time so you can't do anything else you know there's an opportunity cost there so i want to, mm -hmm. i want to have i wanted at one point to have a hundred cows and a thousand joes i got to a thousand joes and realized that maybe wasn't what i wanted to get to. okay <laughs> but but i'd like i'd like 60 cows 600 joes here the joes would be we'd be selling wool shedding tops that are Good sheep as well, really good sheep, and we'd be very simple, uh, really cost uh, low cost uh, cow system, um, and I would be doing other things because I've realised that I always wanted just to be a farmer, and I realised when I didn't, I when I got there and I've tried to be just a farmer, it's actually not that good for me. Okay. Because even though I really like being on my own and I'm a, a, actually an introvert, uh, the connections with people are the most is the most powerful thing in life, I think. And so that's I want to do something. I, I'm actually going to push the podcast this year. I, I'm going to do more and more of the podcast. I think see if we, it's we can justify spending time on it. And uh, so, yes, it's a long, it's a long answer, to, and it's not great. But I'd like to have a really simple farm system. Do something that is exciting, that has all the positive uh, aspects of human relations, and uh, um, energized by other people, and energizing people in return. That's what I'd like to do, which is very vague. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone knows what they're doing on the third of January, twenty twenty-eight. Yeah, I'd like. I, I mean, I'd like to be healthy as well, and world peace. To just calm down. We've just got too far. Okay, what was the second question? Uh, you if, you did, if you had any any tips for folk coming into farming, what would they be? You've probably given them all as you've went. In fairness, but uh, yep. Um. Yeah, um, I think what I've done wrong, so I'll concentrate on the negative. 
But I that credit card uh, balance transfer was what it did show was balls, ambition, uh, not stopped by certain factors. What the negative side was, I never paid it off for ages. I got a really bad credit rating. I can't really borrow any money of sorts. So that has put me in a real problem. So so there's get this right. Have just the first step is like I said, the first step is the hardest. And it's probably the most the thing I'd be most um proud of is actually to do it. Uh, and then see what happens. It's a wonderful mystery tour once you actually make the first step. So I think the first steps really, and then all the things, all the self-help stuff that I've said, you know, I think it is about you. And I would, uh, I, I, someone said something really interesting, like uh, Warren Buffett um, talked about a chap that he was at, I think it was Cornell University. He talked about a chap that he was, he was really friendly with at Cornell and uh, he went into the steel industry and Warren went into the investments and became the richest man on earth. Mm-hmm. And the, and the steel industry was just as intelligent, just as um, gifted. But he, but what Warren took from that was it's not how, how hard you row, it's what boat you're in. Yeah, I thought that's what you were going to say. It's so, so it's pick your battles really well. Don't become a busy fool and a something that is never going to, I think it's very easy to say. And I believe me, I've been in the wrong boat a lot of times. And but, especially if you're trying to row a speedboat, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very true. It's a great saying. I've heard him say it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've heard him say it. It's a, it's a better. He's actually really interesting to listen to. He's got such a phenomenal mind for a 94 year old or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. How, do you have to go? Because I've got another Warren Buffett story. No, one more question, isn't there? We'll we'll, we'll head off then. Um, any tips for folk coming into? To, well, not coming into for folk trying to do an off-field scholarship. Um, Be selfish, of course. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I would say, tell a good story. Yeah. In the application. Uh, make yourself. Um. Yeah, I, I suppose, I, again, I have to be selfish. I have to just speak about me. It might not be relevant to others, but uh, tell a good story. I think that was really important. And uh, the interview is actually quite hard. So, um, uh, and and be, I think you'll breeze it actually, but, you know, have other interests than just your just farming and just your story and just your um topic you your your study um you know they're going to ask you about politics they could ask you about politics and all that sort of stuff so uh, uh, yeah the study isn't actually the most important thing mm-hmm. in many ways it's the person so you've got to sell yourself if I've got to sell myself on the basis of politics, I might as well not try. No, I no, what do you mean? About it. I know nothing about <laughs> no, it. No, 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 but they might ask you. Uh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you will give a good answer, though. I've heard you <laughs> speak before. So you will give a, you know, as long as it's, so what they're testing you for is you going around, you're ambassador for Nuffield Farming Scholarships. Okay, yeah. You're going around meeting people. They don't want, they want you to come be, 
um, uh, interesting and a good convert, you know, have good conversations and all that sort of stuff. So I suppose that might be one of the reasons why they're they're testing you that way. So you've got to have you know a wide a wide range of in, interest or at least give answers that are um, make it look like you have. Well, <laughs> or, or even you know you don't have to know anything about it, but you just uh, you just have to give an interesting answer. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Tia, Michael, it's been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed coming on the podcast yourself. Yeah, no, it's been good. Yeah. I'm going to have to get you on the pasture pod. Uh, I don't know anything about grass. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, whenever whenever I've got folk on the podcast, and I know some of my colleagues listen to this, and like you say, when you work for SRUC or SAC, you've got all this like contact to all these experts. <laughs> like, yeah. I can make TikToks like, <laughs> why, am, why am I here? Uh, and they're always speaking about grass and stuff like that. And if I ever have someone on the podcast that is talking about rotational grazing or um, regenerative farming, looking at herbal lays and all that sort of thing. I can just feel them saying, how's he talking about this? What's he talking about? Like, <laughs> like, he talking about? I, I, I bring folk on the podcast to sh- so I can sh- uh, pretend that it looks like I know something, but I never yeah, speak, yeah. so it's perfect. Yeah. Um, hey, you know, that's that's a lot, another thing about the Nuffield. Be passionate okay, about yeah. stuff, that's about what you're passionate point. about. Yeah, Get that passion over. That's a good one. Um, well, yeah, very good one. I think that's a good thing for life, really. But uh, it has been an utter pleasure talking to you. Um, yeah, likewise. Well, it's really good to speak to you. Yeah, and keep in touch, definitely. If uh, if we can, well, no, I'm not even going to say I'd come on your podcast because it would be unfair on everyone. Um, <laughs> we'll arrange something else at some point, and I'm sure our paths will cross in the future. If you've enjoyed listening, everyone else. Um, Next week, we'll be seeing you for Charles Dowding. So <laughs> if you think I sometimes don't know what I'm talking about, just wait for next Friday. Uh, this podcast has grown so many arms and legs to the point that I'm meeting some fantastic people like Michael here today and Charles. And I do have to say, I think I can say it now because it's not official, but it's in talks. I said you were the second most requested. The most requested I am currently speaking to is PA. So we might have... A Clarkson's Farm-based episode coming. He's got but I can't... Oh, he's got like three PAs. I've spoken to them all. <laughs> um, so yeah, awesome. that's what happens when you go from twenty thousand. Eh, sorry, two thousand followers on Facebook to one point two million total. Wow. Um, yeah, overnight. Uh, but yeah, hope you've enjoyed the episode. We'll see you next week. And um, yeah, don't know why I'm pretending there's any more to say because there's not. Catch you later on. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, A-Plan Rural. If you follow A-Plan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far, and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen, and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A-Plan Rural, and on Facebook at A Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.